going on, DGen Nation? Tyler Tambolin here, bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the AT&T Byron Nelson. And as usual, when you hear my voice to start things off, that means a one Kenny Kim not with us this week. That's okay. He's not feeling too well, but he'll be back. We're going to record next week on Sunday for the PGA Championship, just a day early for you guys. I do have a special guest. I'll bring him in here in a minute. But before I do, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this show is brought to you and presented by PrizePix. Head on over to prizepix.com. Use promo code MMN if you haven't done so already. You use that promo code, you get 100% deposit bonus up to your first $100. Props, picks, and plays, all different ways. Lots going on over at prizepix.com. Check it out. Special guest. I've been waiting to bring this guy on for a while. Talking to him a lot more lately than ever. I mean, it feels great. This guy is an expert, so we don't have Kenny for the course preview. But if you haven't checked out Andy's stuff, I've got Andy Lack from Inside Golf Podcast. He does work over at rickrungood.com as well. Andy, very excited to have you on, my friend. Top course, too, for you to break down. TPC Craig Ranch must be one of your favorites. Tambo, appreciate it, my friend. Obviously, uh, big fan of this show. Uh Really hoping that Kenny feels better, but I got to say, not the worst week to miss. We were joking a little bit off air right before we went hot. Not either of our favorite courses. I, in fact, on a recent podcast, ranked it as my least favorite course on the entire PGA Tour schedule. But with that being said, still plenty of money to be made. Still betting this event. Still playing DraftKings. So excited to dive into it with you, my friend. Yeah, and even if you look, last week we had designated event that some say Andy for the first time fell flat on its face right we had no Rom we had no Scheffler mentally drained Rory uh, your boy Xander was up there but uh, Wyndham Clark win Dem Clark win him they say the guy got the job done man rough start for him first couple of holes I think it was two missed fairways two missed greens had the bogey on one but from there once you get to the back nine guy kind of just rolled through Xander was, you know, he could see it on his face, just playing for second place, doing what he can do to lock up that money. 2.1 million and change, by the way. So not a bad Sunday for Xander Schauffele, but overall, solid event. I'm never going to complain. It's great golf. There is still, I looked at it today, eight designated events left. But remember, three of them are majors, three of them are playoff events. So two others still on the schedule to make up for it. We got Scheffler back this week. Of course, we're back in Texas, but any Takeaways for you from last week, Andy, checking out the action there. We still had some other guys up top. I just think it wasn't the board that many expected to see. Yeah. So a, co- a couple of things there to comment on. I agree with the general sentiment that I was hearing that this elevated event did fall a little bit more flat compared to previous other ones. I think part of that is that Quail Hollow isn't always the most interesting golf course. And this was an event where Wyndham really took charge on the back nine. I mean, it was pretty much over by 14, 15. He developed a four stroke lead and Xander was struggling all across the front. I thought that was a fairly disappointing performance, particularly with his driver. He just had a two way mess going early on the front nine and was never able to formulate any form of late charge. It looked for a second there, maybe like Justin Thomas was going to poke his head out a little bit on the front nine. He started out with like three birdies in his first seven holes, ends up shooting on the four, ends up shooting a 40 on the back nine and completely falling off. So, you know, I don't think that we got the excitement uh, that we have had at some of the elevated events recently, even one like the Heritage, where you had a pretty awesome back nine and a pretty awesome playoff. But I think the important thing to remember is that, you know, this is a transition year, right? They basically made this schedule at the very last minute, right? And I think that amendments will be made. I do think that we probably have, what, three or four too many elevated events, right? Like maybe spread them out a little bit. I'm sure all of that stuff is being talked about and discussed. But yeah, I didn't find myself as... Um, I guess excited on Thursday and then watching on Sunday. I don't know if it had the same buzz as previous ones did, but that's just the nature of the PGA tour schedule. I mean, what w- were we getting any more excited for quail hollow? Any of the last 10 years? I mean, this is, you know, president's cup PGA championship. There's probably some fatigue with the golf course as well. That would make perfect sense. Actually. Like I said, so I love having you on talking about the actual golf course itself. Obviously a great course. It's been used for those other events that you may just mentioned previously, but it's just kind of one of those things. And anytime someone's running away with it, look, if, if Rom was here and running away with it or Scheffler, whoever, or if Rory had have done so still would have been pretty boring down the stretch. That's just how it goes. But we get so much good golf throughout the year. We've got another major coming up here in a week. So, I mean, this is just an exciting time for golf in general. 
It's awesome for us doing the content, having fun with it, going out and checking it all out as degenerates, of course, going out and gambling on it, betting it, playing DFS. We've got Millie Makers left and right. Just had one last week. We've got another two coming up. There's just lots of action going on with these events. So it was still good. I love seeing first-time winners like, you know, the Kitayama one earlier, uh, getting the job done at the API. Wyndham Clark getting it done here. The, the two designated events that we've seen recently where a first-time winner takes place it's just an incredible story man it's their whole life's grind into one thing and then they go out and finally close it up and get the job done so congrats to Wyndham Clark amazing event one question I'll ask you too actually quick and then we'll move on to the listener league one uh I'll do Rory first he's I believe he's your guy right for for the PGA championship any worry of that or is that better for him do you think what do you think is going on with him and then follow it up with your thoughts on KH Lee the two-time back-to-back winner here the last two years at this course as well, finishing inside the top 10. Give me your thoughts on those two guys before we move on. Well, with Rory, there are a couple angles to take. Look, I mean, this was the guy that I had been penciling in for Oak Hill for a while. It's no surprise people know this by now. He's an honorary member of Oak Hill. He spent a fair amount of time playing and practicing at this golf course, particularly during COVID. His wife is from Rochester. Uh, So, you know, and also just from a course setup standpoint, in terms of the skill set that I believe Oak Hill is going to favor, I think many people are going to make the mistake and reference 2013 as a reference point where Jason Duffner and Jim Furyk were at the top of the leaderboard. They took out over a thousand trees. They lengthened the course. They redid every green. Uh, they the fairways are just as tight, but I mean they took out all these trees. So it's, it, it looks way more like winged foot, the winged foot that Bryson won in 2020 than it does the 2013 version of Oak Hill. So I played, I played the course from the PGA tees right before they shut it down in August. And the initial first thought that I had walking off the course was, man, this sets up really well for Rory McIlroy, your John Roms, your Scotty Scheffler's, all of those guys that drive the ball 330 off the tee and are great long iron players. So from a setup standpoint, from a course fit standpoint, I think that Rory McIlroy is as live as ever on this golf course. Now, there is something going on with him in terms of a mental block at majors. Like we cannot look past that at this point, right? I don't know whether it's he needs to fire Bob Rotella or he needs to fire his caddy, right? Like this is the type of golf course that Rory should be able to top 10 in his sleep, but he also should be able to top 10 Augusta in his sleep. He misses the cut there. He also should be able to top 10 TPC Sawgrass where he's won in his sleep. He misses the cut there. He also should be able to top 10 Quail Hollow in his sleep. He finishes what, T59 or 47 there as well. So there is something going on, but I will tell you this, Tambo, and I'm curious, I mean, your thoughts on what his popularity and the narrative will be with him going in this week. I put out a comment on Twitter that I would take any head to head of Rory over Brooks. And I've gotten a ton of action in my DMs. Oh, wow. So, so the public set, so the public sentiment on Rory cannot be great. I mean, it doesn't sound like it, especially if people are taking that, I guess, obviously the Brooks back thing is definitely in full <laughs> effect, but that seems a, bit, a little bit interesting. Like I said, I actually think this could be better for him. I think it's, you know, we've seen Rory do this time and time again, Yes, this seems like a longer lull than we are usually used to. You made a great point on the three examples that you're like, okay, at least one time, buddy, like show me one of these. But at the same time, it is Rory. We've seen it plenty of times where he doesn't show up at something, then comes out and wins another big event. The year he won the players, I believe there was that type of sentiment going in. And then he just goes out and wins the players. So it's like, he's like uh, the year, uh, what was it most recently won the FedEx cup uh, when he won the FedEx cup. It was like, yeah. yeah, it was a seen as like a down rolling system coming in. And then he just goes and does that. And he said in his interviews after, he's like, what do you guys want? Like, I win. I still am winning. It's just, I'm not getting the majors you want to go and write about. And there's something to be said about that for his legacy and his history and where he ranks in the, in the all-time ranks when everything's all said and done. But we don't, we got to forget, the guy still has a lot of time left to play and make up for that. And things come in lulls in golf. We see it all the time. The Jason Day resurgence right now. Spieth had a period off of where he was off and on, and now he's back and so on and so forth. We'll talk about him, by the way, a lot today. But just in general, that's golf. You know it. I know it. Everyone out there that listens to this mostly knows it, but people just don't want to hear it. So I think it's going to be good. Hopefully, he does come in lower owned. I'm going to continue to go with it. I, I think, like you said, if people didn't like the leaderboard this past week at quail hollow we know we're getting a good one in a week from now at the pga championship hell we might get a good one this week there's some great golfers here so uh lastly your cage lee thoughts i guess we'll bring those in when we talk about this week actually i'll let you save those we'll, we'll go to we'll go to the listener league andy so 
real quick, guys, while you're while you're watching, do us a favor, hit that like button. Let us know your comment. We're doing it again this week. It's going to be your fade in the 8K range. But just so you guys know this week, last week, got the job done. We do appreciate it. Listener League got filled. This week, dropped it back, made it an easy number to get us to that 1500 for next week. So 750. You can go out now. It's on my Twitter. It's on the FG Degenerates Twitter. Fill that up. $5 entry, three max. You can get in there. It's, I think, believe it, this week is 500 to first, 50 to 10th, and then double your money for last place, around 18% get paid. So fill that thing up. Next week will be the 1,500-man Listener League if we do fill this week. So check that out. And then, of course, giving away those Millie Maker tickets. We got the details now. I'm not going to be giving away any 44-44 mega tickets, unfortunately, for next week. That's not in the podcast budget, but we'll give away a bunch of $25 Millie Maker tickets for next week. So, again, leave us that comment this week. Let us know your fade in the 8k range andy i'm gonna read you off our winner from last week give us your thoughts on it but it was bib buxton shout out to bib buxton got the job done by five points sander hovland fleetwood Wyndham clark of course adam scott and then sam stevens comes through and gets the job done mayo loved him last week we did the show on wednesday said he was rating out huge so thoughts on this lineup in general you had Xander, hovland fleetwood clark scott stevens go ahead yeah, interesting. I mean, I think the star of the show in that one is Adam Scott, right? I mean, what was the ownership of Adam Scott in the Listener League? It couldn't have been past 5 or 6%. Six, exactly. You got it. Yeah, that that's what I would imagine. We had an interesting week last week. Can you remember a week when were Rory, Cantlay, Hovland, and Cam Young the four highest-owned players on the slate? None of them finished inside the top 40. Yeah, I think it was those guys and then JT slightly behind. And of course, you know, that was, you know, hit or miss, but JT wasn't really necessary in the end in most of the winning lineups I saw at least. Yeah, so you had situations where guys like Hovland and Cam Young got through and they didn't kill you, right? Like you still see a winning lineup with Hovland in it. I played a lot of the Cam Young chalk and still had a really good week because I was Mm -hmm. able to have Xander in there and Corey Connors in there and Sungjae in there and JT in there too. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Wyndham, what was Wyndham in the listeners league too? I mean, Wyndham was kind of like, he was in the, I, I think, I think he was in like the 10 to 15 zone. Yeah, it was 20.3 in the listener league. So he okay. was a very popular value play last week. I think that was, you know, when that happens, it is what it is, but he was definitely priced accordingly for, you know, I was sorry, not priced accordingly. He was making, it made sense that ownership based on where he was priced at and what he'd done recently. So I saw why people were gravitating towards that. That makes sense at 20% in the listener league. Yeah. And I mean, he wasn't sneaking up on anybody. It's like, right. he was trending. He was playing great. He was an incredibly popular option in Mexico starts off the tournament. He's like two or three over on the front nine playing terribly. And then really turns it on shoots a Sunday six under par. That's one of the things I always like to look for is if they improve their ball striking throughout the tournament. Right. And Wyndham was a guy who seemed to get better every single day. And by Sunday, he had one of the lowest rounds on the course yeah. kick. got had a little bit of him in DraftKings, kicking myself that I didn't have the outright on him as well. But yeah, I mean, it was one of those weeks where you probably, you know, you, you could have made up a fair amount of ground on the field by taking some of the lower owned options at the top because Rory, Hovland, Cam Young, Cantlay, all those guys did not have the desired finish that many were hoping for. And some of the guys closer to like that, that Sung JM, Fleetwood, Adam Scott, like those ended up all being excellent, excellent plays. And the Xander one too, I love just the fact that, you know, 10-7, it was just a number that you knew he was getting squeezed. Everybody said it. And funny enough, all the cases that were being made for the other guys, like the Sung Ms of the world, the Cam Youngs of the world, how close they've been, the Speeths, all these guys. It was like, guys, Xander's been doing the same thing. He's number five in the world. He's right up. I just, when you see the price tag attached to it and the fact that he squeezed up there with the guys that he was around, makes sense in the end. I, I liked him for one and done. I talked about as being a sneaky pick. There, I used him in one of mine, so I've almost caught that one up. So that was nice, but I uh, did not have enough of him on DraftKings. And just, again, it was a price factor. You use other guys around him. But I do like that this lineup sort of said, okay, I'm going with Hovland, and I'll leave out JT, and I'll leave out Cam Young, and I'll leave out Rory. That's how people, when I talk about it, it's not who you play, it's how you play him. That's kind of the point of that. You don't, you know, you can use Hovland as long as you're doing other stuff. If you start pounding all four or five of those guys that are the most popular together, cash games with Kenny, maybe makes sense. But in these large field tournaments, you need to have some sort of leverage point out there. And I think that's key. And we always like doing a little bit of review and application. I think that's important in DFS. 
golfers do the same thing. They go out and watch their swing and find out what they're doing right and work with their coaches. It's the same thing. So we always do review the lineup on here, of course, but that's going to do it for last week, Andy. Now we can move on to the good stuff. Uh, you already took the joke from me earlier, and that's okay. I appreciate you. The, you know, Inside Golf Podcast did rate all the courses. You you bring on some great guests, by the way, and that's just, if you guys haven't checked it out, you definitely want to do so. Lots of great guests, talk different things. You're you're willing to leave some weeks alone where you're just like, you know what? No one cares about the actual golf as much this week as let me bring them someone from the DFS space or someone that knows about golf and training and co- courses, things like that. It's just a different angle that you approach things from. And I think many appreciate that. It's very genuine. So keep killing it with that. But just talk to me about this because I know you already took it, but this course ranked DFL to my understanding. I do believe that to be the case. So why is it so bad, Andy? And what, what's really the issue here with TBC Craig Ranch? Um, I, I think the shot values and the penalization of shots is something that I, I talk about a lot. Um, there's just not a lot of strategic value on this golf course, which is something that I generally look for and creates really exciting golf for me, right? Like you want shot options, right? And that's something that I think we're, you know, we see every year at Augusta, we're going to see a ton at Oak Hill and especially LACC. The thing about TPC Craig Ranch, and this is nothing against it as a venue in terms of I've heard it's a wonderful place for hospitality. It's very conveniently located in the city of Dallas and a lot of PGA Tour pros are from Dallas. I think that's the reason why you're getting guys like Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler and Tom Kim in the field, which I'm very much grateful for. But this is a golf course where the strategy is fairly homogenous on every single hole, right? Pretty wide fairways, not a ton of rough whatsoever, fairly large, wide open greens, right? KH Lee has won this tournament at 26 and 25 under the past two years. The only difference that I think there's going to create a little bit more pushback, the scores are still going to be the same, but they recently, and they put this out on Monday morning, too, which I was surprised about, was the first I heard about it. They changed, I believe, the 12th hole from a short par five that everyone was eagling. I mean, it was essentially, play, the scoring average is like 4.4, right? So they changed that from a short par five to a long par four really not going to change much i think any of our handicapping process this week in terms of the way that we're breaking down or looking at this golf course just means a tournament that's going to be one at 22 or 21 under par as opposed to 25 or 26 under par but for me tambo the roadmap is pretty simple at this golf course right it's like can you drive the ball in play Can if you can if you are able to drive the ball a long way, that certainly helps. Although you go through the leaderboard and it's like there wasn't really a coral much of a correlation of distance at all because everybody's hitting the fairway and the emphasis really falls on the second shot, right? So are you a decent mid to long iron player and can you get hot on these bent grass greens? Can you take advantage of the par fives, right? It's been a really interesting situation. I'm curious to get your thoughts too over the last two years. It's like the top of the board has been delivering and then you've just gotten some total absolute scrubs coming up really huge as well. I think the first year that KH won, he was 6,900, right? So that's kind of what happens when you get on courses that are defined by quote unquote putting contest. But the roadmap here is fairly simple. I, I don't think we're, we're having a crack any codes open with TPC Craig Ranch. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that, brought that up because I was going to ask you about that. And that's kind of just a, a perfect outlay. And what I was going to go with when you mentioned that it, it's again, uh, the top of the board versus the bottom of the board. And what it reminded me of Andy, and that's what I want to ask you right out of the gate. And it segues into our tiers where we're going to talk Scheffler speed. Hatton happens to be up there in the five figure range as well, but we'll start with those two up top. But if you just remember to the Mexico open just a few weeks ago there now where it was Rom Finau, and then the rest of the field, what ended up happening? And I know it is what it is, like the variance, the sample size. I get it. I'm not saying that one equals the other, but I'm just saying sometimes that is the case where it's like, okay, these two are clearly the top here. Yeah, maybe Spieth and Scheffler are only here because it's in Texas. They've outright said that. We're going to play the events in Texas. We're going to be there. We're going to show up. All these factors. But at the same time, they are the class of the field, or at least the way they've been playing right now, especially. So do you see a scenario where people just jam these two in and see what they can find? Or do you think people are just going to try and pick one and then drop down from there? And then what are your thoughts on these two guys just in general, if you had to pick one? I would be surprised if there are a lot of Scheffler Spieth lineups. I mean, that gets, you start running out of space pretty quickly. And I don't know how many options in the 6K range will get to that. People are going to feel comfortable clicking. 
Are you surprised that Scheffler's $1,300 more than Spieth? Did you expect that much separation between the two? I didn't actually expect that much, but that's what immediately drove me to the Rom Finau thoughts because it was like, okay, they're clearly making their stance. Scheffler and Rom over here, Rory priced by DK and the books still over there. They're, they're doing that, but then they're not, they're still not classifying the other guys as being in that tier, even though Spieth has been on a hot run. And I think you hinted at it last week. You were on with Feinberg on your podcast talking about maybe Spieth is saving it for Texas. Right, maybe he's just gonna wait and get this W here, and I think a lot of people have already looked into it. I know a bunch of people this morning reached out or messaged or thought, like, do I just jam Spieth at nine to one and call it a week? I mean, people are already asking that, so I do think uh, it surprised me a little bit on the disparity between the two prices or the delta, but I do think that it kind of makes sense, and I, I also think it makes people think a little bit about this. I have one more thought with it, Andy. I want to get you know, flip. We're flipping back and forth on it. It's good though. I think is that do you think? There's any chance Scheffler comes in around that 40 to 50% range that we saw Rom in Mexico. Again, now they're probably not going with speed in that case. Cause like you said, it's just under $6,900 for your remaining four golfers. That does make it pretty tricky. But if people go with Scheffler, they can easily still fill out the lineup. Do you think it gets anywhere near that 40 to 50% range that Rom was coming in at, at the Mexico open? Or do you think speed pulls too much away from that here? Yeah, I I don't for Scheffler. I mean, it's still early. We're recording this on Monday evening. But if I had to take a guess at Scheffler's ownership, I would say he comes in like the 30 to 37% range. And Spieth is probably close. Like, I think the Mexico Open example that you used, Rom came in as high as 40s and 50s, depending on what contest you were looking at. But Finau was still, you know, 27, 28, sometimes over 30, 35 in some contests as well. I think it's going to be close. Closer. I think there will be less of a disparity where I think Scheffler probably comes in in the 35% zone and Spieth really isn't much far behind him. I mean, would it shock you if Spieth, because of the price discrepancy, comes in with more ownership than Scheffler? I, that would shock me, yeah. But I would, I guess I should say it this way. Would it shock me? Yes, because I think people are still in on Scheffler. But I think you nailed it on the first part when you're saying that he is going to be right there with him. If he yeah. somehow comes in more, I, I honestly would be surprised because I actually think the way it's rated out, the way the stat sites show it, the way the projection sites early are on this, it's that Scheffler is the better play. The interesting slash tricky part of that is that I think, again, it's not quite the same scenario as that. So there could be an interesting spot here. I mean, what are you going to do? What are your early thoughts? You're not held to any of this stuff. It's a first look. But if you could only pick one, again, you could, you're allowed to do whatever you want. But if you could only pick one, would you be in on Scheffler? Because it's a chance he comes in at only 30 to 35, and maybe he should be a lot more. Or... Would you be in on speed based on the fact that there is that $1,300 price savings based on what you know about the rest of the board, which we'll get to in a few minutes? Probably speed. Um, I, I just think the savings is too great. Like I would have expected them to be an 800 or 900 price difference. Yeah. And I think with speed, you open yourself up for so many more options. I mean, if we're talking about the 10 K range, I actually really like Tyrrell Hatton this week. Um, I, I, think that you definitely have an option and I will certainly be considering it. I haven't made a decision on Scheffler and Spieth. You know, I've been known when these types of tournaments happen. And I think there is less discrepancy this week in terms of what Rom and Finau were like at the top of that Mexico open field versus what the rest of the field is like this week. I mean, the Mexico open field had four or five players in the official world golf ranking top 100, right? This has, you have a little bit more strength in the sevens and eights, not by much, but a little bit more strength where there isn't necessarily this scenario where uh the gap is so so great where it's inconceivable that one of these guys like a Siwoo Kim like a KH Lee like a Tom Kim right like a Hideki couldn't come and win so I think where I stand right now is it's either going to be I there's no way I'm playing both of them I'm leaning towards Spieth but I also think that like Hatton will be a priority for me I love the way that Hatton's playing another contending performance last week at the Wells Fargo he's got three top fives in his last six starts and he's been you know he's been coming top five at all these elevated events the players Arnold Palmer Invitational sixth at Phoenix third last week at Wells Fargo now he gets an opportunity where he is legitimately could make a case of third best player in the field. I think he's a pretty good option this week. I have to say it 10 one. Yeah. Maybe the Xander of this week in the sense that again, right. it's just a, it's a, people will say just a horrible price 
10-1. You can't play Ricky last week, 8,800. By the way, Ricky Fowler last week, I did it again. I know it's not all the way or what people want or expect. He's back in the top 50 now with that result. He was priced badly at 8,800. I made the case to Kenny last week here, and I said it's just one of those things, man. He has to be in there somewhere. It's, it's maybe not as bad as you think when you're saying all these things about other players priced in the same range. He's been doing it too. And that's the thing with Hatton. You just talked about it. It's in designated events. His DK scoring is incredible too, by the way. If people don't follow that stuff and you can track the stats at many different sites, you've got them over at Rick Rungood. You've got them at Fantasy National. We're, we're community. We talk about things together here, but just saying it, the stats are out there. You can go find them. The guy does have great DK scoring when he comes through. I think this past week was another pretty big week for him, even just being up in that upper range. And he lost, by the way, uh, on the 18th hole. I'm not sure what he was going for, but he lost the all four under 70 for another five DK points he would have tacked on. So just to show that off, I mean, it, it definitely gets interesting if you're willing to start some lineups with him this week and then drop down. So I really do like that call. I'm on the opposite side of you up top. I think it's pretty interesting. If Scheffler comes in at 35%, there is a case for me just to lock Scheffler because I think it's a it's a, if it's a similar scenario to Rom in that sense. I do agree with you on the other side. It's not fully the same because the field is not fully the same. That's what ma- that's making me maybe not lock him, but go like sixty percent and just completely double up sixty five percent and get like a huge leverage point on him at this time. I just think again his talent level over four days. I mean you've been there since day one. You've been there since the Ryder Cup comparisons him versus others or the the hot streak versus this guy's just really good at golf i mean you, you've been there for all this stuff but obviously scheffler's game he's up there for a reason i just think that if he does come in around that 30 to 35 it gets more intriguing just to say let's go and watch scheffler and give me as many combinations as i possibly can but i do like your hat and call as well yeah and i think with scheffler like you don't if he's at 35 that's not the type of number where you're facing a similar decision to what a lot of people were thinking about what to do with Rom in Mexico, right? Like Scheffler at 35, it's not like we see guys at 35% every single week on DraftKings, but it's not, I mean, you can get him at the field. You can get significant leverage with him on the field at, like you said, 60% and still have your fair share of lineups where you're trying some different things out. Maybe, you know, and we'll talk about it with the 9K range too, but like maybe like maybe you're thinking about jamming a couple of those 9K guys in there and fading the top entirely, right? Like, like I said, this is a stronger 9K range than what we saw in Mexico when we had that similar decision to make at the top with the guys. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on some of these guys down here as well, especially some like the Hideki question is certainly an intriguing one this week because we never really know where his health's at yeah i guess he went to japan got some work done on the neck it sounds like and he's coming back and we've heard these things lately you know jordan speed mentally fatigued no way he can come through oh wait loses in a playoff to fitzpatrick that same week that everyone talked about it rom might be fatigued you know he won the masters it's not the same mexico open as the previous season he's uh, you know played more often he's already got more wins it's just not likely to happen this year well second place there another guy so pencil hideki in for second place i guess i don't know but obviously his game should fit the course should be solid i know it looks early andy like tom kim picking up some steam i remember you know i'm thinking of this this week actually because you you know sometimes bear off will come on and cover when kenny's not on so just to bring this up but uh bear off was all over tom kim at i think 125 to one maybe 100 to one at the pga championship way back when before his first win and then picking it up from there and so remember last week on your podcast Feinberg was saying he was protecting his PGA championship bets with the Cam Young bets last week I wonder if that's why people are betting their Tom Kim pick this week but obviously Tom Kim sets up well also and then the big conversation here is KH Lee I will say before I kick it back to you like the the old guys if you will Kucher 12th and 17th here 23rd 19th 3rd and 16th in his last four Seems solid to me. And then Adam Scott, another guy I'll talk about, just field play of the week. He's definitely not going to pop in your stats and your numbers as the best guy here for this week. But something I've talked about for a very long time, I know you track these stats, like the weighted strength of field. Adam Scott, everyone, oh, he sucks. He only comes 31st and 39th. He's never going to come through for you at 9,200. Yeah, he comes 31st, 39th, and 31st at the Masters, the RBC Heritage, and the API all designated events with extremely strong fields. Here, to your point earlier, Andy, we have a little bit stronger field than maybe the Mexico Open, 
but it's not a strong field overall. We know these guys very well. We're excited when we get to the upper 7K range for Bramlett, Gordon, Wu, Stalling, Smalley, all the guys that we know and love to play. But overall, this field is not that strong. So I like Adam Scott when we come to fields like this. And he's coming off a pretty good week, man, overall. I know it wasn't the best Sunday. He couldn't make any putts. But man, it was overall a pretty good week for him. And he's got to feel good leading up with some form, a major coming up, all that. So Adam Scott, Hideki, just from a tournament perspective, I think is interesting. Tom Kim, the stats, and then Matt Kuchar down at the bottom are some of the guys that stand out for me. Give me your thoughts in here. And then now you can go to the KH lead thoughts because, you know, winners back-to-back or at the same courses has been pretty prevalent the last couple of years, including himself at this course. But other guys, Corey Connors won at the Valero, again, not back-to-back-to-back like KH Lee would be going for, but there's a lot of these things we've seen lately. So what are your thoughts on Lee and then the rest of this range? Well, let me let me ask you a quick question as a precursor to the to the KH Lee thoughts. More ownership, Tom Kim or KH Lee this week? I think Tom Kim. I think the price is too much, and people can talk themselves out of Lee just based on that. And KH Lee probably in what the fourteen to eighteen range feels that way. Thirteen to fifteen was where I was thinking. So you almost nailed it. Yeah, yeah. So listen, I mean, I I my I'm with you on Adam Scott a hundred. Hideki and Adam Scott are my two favorite plays in this range. I think they're actually going to be lineups where I do fade all of the 10 K range entirely. And I, I do have a start of like Hideki, Adam Scott, maybe even Kucher or Siwoo Kim, as you mentioned at the bottom of the nine K range as well. Um, I like Tom Kim as well. I do worry a little bit about that ownership. I do think that Jordan Spieth, Tom Kim will be an extremely popular, uh, an extremely popular start because you're still leaving yourself with enough room. If you fade Scheffler at the top, not like you can't play Scheffler and Tom Kim either, by the way, you're still leaving yourself with a little bit of room there as well. But I agree with you on Adam Scott, right? Like he hasn't been having the season that I think many have hoped for, but he still is the type of guy that will sneakily show up at these events before. I mean, he almost won the Wyndham a couple of years ago. He had those top fives in the FedEx Cup playoffs when he started to get hot at the BMW Championship. Another pretty wide open golf course, driver heavy golf course with a lot of long irons where you did need to get to 21, 22, 23 under par. Adam Scott was contending there at Wilmington Country Club. He's played decent at this course before in the past. So for me, it's probably, I'm probably going to fade KH Lee entirely. I just, you know, I show me it right. Like, it's not like he's not playing great, but I do have concerns about the ownership creeping up there. And I do think you'll be able to get a discount on a guy that's playing just as good, if not better golf than KH Lee, which is Adam Scott, probably despite the great finish last week in the 10 to 12 range would be my guess with Scott as well. Yeah, it's fair for sure. Yeah, I think that's a good call. I want to ask you a quick question because you just brought up the Wyndham thing, which made me think of, you know, I, that was what I was thinking of. That was one of the best examples. It was heartbreaking, I'm sure, for Adam Scott, who thought he was going to win the thing and then doesn't even make it to the playoff, if you recall. He missed that short yeah. four-footer and then misses the playoff with everybody in it uh, at that event. But Tom Kim, the winner of that, you know, what was this last pastime around, I believe, he won the Wyndham. So it was like, that's where some of that comes from. But I was going to ask you earlier with your course knowledge, because I'm the worst for this stuff, especially that's why I never claim to be the expert lead, leave it to the experts like you on this. What type of course would you put up against this course? Like what are some of the ones just off the top of your head that you're like, okay, maybe there's not a direct correlation, but what are some, if you had to pick a couple that you could lean on to lean towards this course as well? I think you want to be looking at a lot of those bent grass birdie fests, right? That we see sometimes in the latter part of the summer. So like you look at a course like Detroit golf club, right? And, and Nate Lashley is a guy we'll talk about a little bit later that I love this week too. And yeah. that's a golf course where it's very homogenous strategy off the tee, not a ton of penalty for missing, uh, for missing pretty wide, right? That Kentucky bluegrass rough very, very shortly grown there. We've seen guys like Bryson bomb it all over the place and have no problem with his sight lines on big misses, pretty wide open greens. I think that's a really good one. I know the agronomy is a little bit different, but like in terms of the general strategy of drive the ball as far as you can hit your fair share of long irons, what we saw in Mexico 
is not crazy, right? It's it's a yeah. slower golf course with past Palum, right? But it's not a crazy comparison. So some of those kind of wide open, non-penalty for big misses. A John Deere's another one. That's another example. That's a little bit shorter of a golf course. You're not going to have as many long iron approach shots, but that's very similar agronomy, right? You know, where guys can bomb away off the tee. Uh, have to hit some mid and long irons, but the length is really like the greatest defense of the golf course. So I think a lot of these like late summer, easier scoring conditions, bent grass courses, TPC deer run Detroit golf club, even TPC twin cities, although that has a lot more water involved in it as well. I think that those are pretty good reference points. Oh man, the Michael Kim groupies are going to be loving you right now. Mentioned dropping the JDC in there and he's coming off of a good event as well. I like the Lashley call that you brought up there too. So you said Lashley and then you were talking about JDC. So people will definitely be interested in Michael Kim when we get down to that. But I do like those calls. I think that's just, you know, the little thing. I feel like I'm going to have a good week now, Andy, just talking to you because this is the perfect combination. I can bring my thoughts, game theory, leverage, things like that mix it with your course knowledge, and then we can find the right guy. So anybody listening here should be having a pretty good week after we get done with it. Jumping into the 8K range, we got Seamus Power down to JJ Spawn. I do think this is a pretty interesting range for a couple reasons. One, we've got some names that I'll let you go over first. But two, when you go back to our strategy, I was just teasing it earlier, Andy, but when you look at the upper 7K range, real quick, and I know we're skipping, but Riley, Bramlett, Gordon, Wu, Stalling, Smalley, S.H. Kim, Sam Stevens, and that's just some. Ben Griffin's there, Justin Suh. When you go like Scheffler and some 8K guys, you can't play this that upper 7K range. When you go your Hideki, Scott, pick a couple of these guys, you can't play that range. And sometimes it's a matter of just, again, back to not who you play, how you play them. If you can skip that range entirely that everyone's trying to pick and choose their guy, the answer is sometimes play none of them. And even though, yeah, one or two may come through, it's you can get away with it in some cases, almost like how our, our listener league winner got away with having a 63 point Victor Hovland in there. They still avoided everything else, but they still got away with just using one. You can do that here as well, but let's start in that 8k range. Cause it is pretty interesting power coming off a couple. I think he came off a 18th last week. He's got some good results here all the way down to his bazooten out down at the bottom. What are you doing here in this 8k range? I mean, and we see this every week. That's a great point. I mean, the AK range gets squeezed all the time, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the way certain certain people build every single week. There are guys in the low AK range. I write about this every single week in my Wednesday article that gets squeezed all the time. You're probably going to see it again this week with like Aaron Wise and Adam Hadwin potentially being sub 5%, right? Yeah. So I think there are some names that I absolutely will be utilizing. Semi worried about Stefan Yeager's popularity, but he was one of my first bets this morning at 60 to one. I just really like the way that Stefan Yeager's playing. I like him on this golf course. He's been great on bank grass. He's had a ton of success in easier scoring conditions. The irons are starting to come around. He's actually, you know, at the beginning when he first came on the PGA tour, he was this great short game and putting guy. He's really started to turn it around and turn into a really solid and song ball uh, ball striker. So Jaeger is probably my favorite in this range. And then I think if you're trying to play the ownership game, I think there are options, right? Like I do, I think that the shine has completely worn off Taylor Montgomery at this point. Like he was extremely popular at the beginning of the year. Those questions about his ball striking are really starting to pop back up again. Uh, Benny on as well. Not a guy that I see getting a ton of ownership. People seem to always love Min Woodley and Tom Hoagie, but for me, it's Jaeger at the bottom, depending on ownership, then a little bit of interest in that grouping of power McNeely Montgomery at the top. I'll probably pick one of them just because I don't see any of those three hitting double digits. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit tricky for that sense, but I do think like what you nailed here is there's a lot of tournament options in the sense that they just can't get the full ownership the other guys can. You mentioned Benny on. Uh, funny enough, I believe he almost won the Wyndham as well one time. I think yeah. he went into the bushes uh, at the last hole at, at uh, Sedgefield there. And I think Snedeker or someone else ended up stealing it from him. But either way, the, just the correlations that keep coming up there. But the Taylor Montgomery one, I already had him clicked and selected. I hope the rest of the world doesn't. The thing about him is this price point. He's a little bit over your average price point. But if you talk about who could win a putting contest, he could definitely show up and win one if it turns into that. And it can at a place like this. And then on top of it, going back to what I talked about with Hatton earlier, if you don't follow the stats on this stuff, you should, but we'll play a scoring game. 
DK points. Birdies are better. This is like his thing. So uh, it can be frustrating at times because he'll make 16 or 17 birdies and only somehow be five or six under. And you're like, wait a minute, what happened here? Well, it's all the bogeys and the doubles that went with it. But in general, at 8,700, he could go a little bit overlooked and he could be a little pivot right off Seamus Power. I like Power. I'm with you. Talked about already. 18th last week. Looked solid with the ball striking. 17th and 9th here. Something about this place. Usually stronger field events we can see, or sorry, weaker field events, we can see him show up because he's shown up in some stronger field events. But I do worry a little bit about his ownership. It looks like a lot of people rush to bet him as well, which usually translates over and on our first look. That's all we can go off of. So that, and I'm with you. I only got 50 on Jaeger, but I bet him with eight places. So maybe that's why the number a little bit less, but either way, like having the eight places. Don't know if he's going to be a closer and come out and get the job done, but many forget he was ranked number one of his class coming off the corn Ferry tour. Uh, he did have, I believe it was the famous 59, the same day Fury put up the 58. So it was like all the shine got ripped away from him the same day as he put up his 59 at a corn Ferry tour event, or it might even been a uh, web.com tour event back then. But just to remember that stuff, that's where the, you know, the price looks bad, but what about Aaron wise? You mentioned him lightly, mm-hmm. but this guy back from basically withdrew for mental health at the master's not that long ago. I mean, he's back now. So did, did you have any thoughts on him? Because I think people like Hoagie, Min Woo, like you mentioned always, you think you can get back on board because Wise probably, you know, little to no ownership just because people don't trust it. Yeah, and we really, like, have no reference point for this whatsoever. Like, we don't have a ton of situations that we can draw to where players take time off for personal reasons, and then we come back and they're, you know, either mixed bag really good, really bad. Like, we just don't have a ton of reference points to compare it and say, okay, maybe this is possible for a guy like Aaron Wise, even though we literally have no idea if he's picked up a golf club in three, four weeks. And, by the way, right before he took the time off, he was unplayable right? Like some of the worst ball striking performance he's put together in a while. So I think the case for wise is you are going to find an 8k guy at sub 5%, right? Probably is what would be my guess. And there's always an argument for playing a guy that he's priced there for a reason. I mean, Aaron wise was a guy that many people were talking about and picking and betting at 25 to one at 30 to one, you know, picking as breakout candidates at the beginning of the season, you know, it had you know you had to assume it got better for him if he's coming back right it couldn't have really gotten worse based on the way he was playing so I haven't made a full decision yet but I think the case for playing him at that ownership um is there I mean what about you yeah I'm interested in tournaments for sure I think again everything you just said is the reason why but the fact that like you said people would have played him if he was you know there was nothing that had happened and he just played the masters and then moved on We'd be interested. So I'm, I've got no problem with that. One other thing I want to note quickly before first ever time, I think we'll have breaking news on the pod as we record it live, but this is just a note, but just real quick, uh, JJ spawn. If Jaeger's too, if Jaeger's ownership gets too high, I got no problem. Spawn was pretty much solid last week. Just as good. If you will, he's a tour winner. He can go low. It's like to me, I got no problem with that. Maybe he picks up ownership too. We'll have to wait and see, but just in general, I think that's incredible. Just crazy stuff though. Andy, everything we said at the top goes out the window unfortunate news jordan spieth severe pain in my left wrist the att byron nelson means the absolute world to me and i'm disappointed to miss it this week he goes on further but just of note so jay live on here spieth wd as we're recording this now so give us your your quick thoughts on that before we move on to the 7k range changes quite a bit i think right well, now we're in the situation back with Sheffler where yes. I think now Sheffler is. Now we're looking at what a 50% Sheffler or 45% Sheffler, something like that. I mean, terrible to hear for Spieth. Obviously, you know, we hope that he gets back ready for Oak Hill, you know, that if he can complete the career grand slam that, you know, never gets talked about the way that Rory does at the masters that speed only has to win the PGA uh, to win the career grand slam. So hope he's feeling better. We know that this was an event that he was probably going to be live at, probably going to contend at, but from a DraftKings perspective, it just turns into a Scheffler or not to Scheffler situation because you don't have that middle ground of speed between Scheffler and Hatton where now it's like, is there a significant difference in skill set between Scheffler and Hatton in talent there is so people will be making that decision at the top with Scheffler I think his ownership's going to creep up at least 15 points if I had to guess yeah he didn't say I was just looking at that because you reminded me I should have read the rest just to see but 
I did not mention it. Just said I'm focused on healing as quickly as possible and have to evaluate my recovery week to, to week to week. So maybe he is trying to get back in the game for the PGA championship. Like you said, doesn't get talked about enough, but either way, it is a takeaway. You went over it pretty well. The same thoughts that I had, it actually takes away too. Uh, it doesn't take away my love for the Hatton player, probably yours that you had, but I'm just saying it would have been a much lower owned Hatton where it would have been more of like the Rom Finau with Scheffler Spieth. And then you got a third guy that can, you could fit in versus now obviously Hatton picks up some of that ownership oh, yeah. as well. But in general, it's fine. Uh, we'll talk more about it. I know myself, Mayo, will be on on Wednesday, as usual, in studio. You've got other shows that you do this week and articles and content over at rickrungood.com so people can check that out. And then, of course, I should have noted earlier, guys, but Kenny will have his stuff up on Gup's Corner, so you'll be able to get his cash game cornerstones and everything that goes with that. Let's keep it moving, though. Let's go back to this. Andy, we'll do the 7K range. Give me four or five of the guys that stand out for you if you want to do it that way. Maybe upper 7, lower 7, whatever you want to mix it up. Yeah, uh, Brandon Wu was the first name, you know, at at seventy eight hundred. Uh, we mentioned Vedanta Viarta briefly in passing, but like this is a guy that has shown up on these wide open, driver heavy, long iron golf courses where you have to get to at least. 15, 16, 17, 20 under par. Brandon Wu is a guy I played high school golf with him. Then he goes off to Stanford. I think he's got a ton of talent. He's got multiple top five finishes this season already. You start digging into some of these names in the 7K range, and they have not been in the heat of the battle in the mix this season as much as a guy like Brandon Wu has. So I really like him at 7,800. Moving down a little bit, um, in the winning listener league lineup, see no real reasons to get off the Sam Stevens train. I mean, I don't think that he's going to be overly popular this week, but this is a guy that has shown up consistently on longer golf courses. Valero, Texas Open, right? Puerto Rico. You know, this is a guy that something about, I mean, his long iron play, his driving ability, he's long off the tee, birdie fest. He feels more comfortable on these wide open golf courses and easier scoring conditions. I think there's enough of a sample size there where I absolutely feel comfortable going back to him. And then just another guy in terms of the way that he's rated out for me statistically, I think something's brewing with Eric Cole. I mean, I, I think you're still probably, I don't think he's going to be totally sneaking up on him. I would imagine that anybody who's running a stat model is going to see some of the same things that I'm seeing with Eric Cole, whether it be that par five scoring, that long iron play, right? That performance and easier scoring conditions. He rates out well and is checking a lot of boxes statistically, but I still think he's not enough of a name and under the radar enough where you're going to be able to jam him in at at least reasonable ownership this week. Yeah. Um, and then lastly would be the last guy that I would throw out as well. Winner at the rocket mortgage has this awesome approach week at the Wells Fargo last week. So those are probably the, the, the big four for me that stick out and in, in a pretty big range, honestly. Yeah, it's a wild range, and that's the thing. You don't want to spend all day here. We want to get through the speed news. We had other stuff to cover, but uh, I think a lot of the people will go to this upper range. Obviously, Riley got the win with Hardy at the team event. That doesn't always translate over, but people will talk about him in Texas and all those factors. He's only 7,900. Bramlett, everyone loves Bramlett. Joey B. Bramlett, like I call him, definitely like this guy. So he's solid. Gordon can make a bunch of birdies, but the woo call you had was interesting to me because I like him quite a bit. But it does seem, the only thing that worries me a little bit, and maybe it shouldn't be a worry at all, but he skipped a designated event to rest mm. up, apparently. Like, no, it was undisclosed, but it would seemingly be just to rest up and come back now and maybe beat up on the weaker field. So that makes me like him because he's like, ah, I can leave that one off. It's just, I'll just get a win the next week. Maybe that's his confidence level. I don't know, but the guy is an incredible talent. So I like him quite a bit with you. I think you've talked about this guy quite a bit in the past, actually, but I don't know if you have connection to him too, but Alex Smalley. You, you yeah, Alex Smalley together. Guy? yeah, yeah, we went to college together. That's what I thought um, it was. Yeah, I, I went to one practice with him before he made me realize quickly that I didn't have what it took to be a college <laughs> golfer at Duke. He's got incredible game as well. And I mean, I didn't, if we, I, I should have mentioned him as well because him sitting right there at 7,700 too, another awesome option who is beaten up on these big, wide open golf courses before as yeah, well and i think top 20 this past week too he looked pretty good to me so i thought that was at least somewhat interesting ben griffin not sure if he's fell off people's radars but obviously again just at the price looks like he could pick up some steam but probably for good reason he's been playing some pretty good golf so i think he's there you mentioned earlier the jdc connection and i hinted at the michael kim stuff michael kim of note i think it's since he got on twitter 
to be honest. It's like the Max Homa effect. You get on Twitter, you start talking things and creating them into reality. And next thing you know, you're, you know, top 10 on tour, winning all the events, maybe not quite the same for Michael Kim, but he did win the JDC before it's been talked about, you know, he's kind of found his mojo seventh, 30th, 19th, the last three. And then the approach was just dialed this past week in round four. You talked earlier about guys coming off of strong round four results. Well, that's Michael Kim for you. So I think he looks pretty interesting there. I like the Eric Cole call. He's been sort of drumming up something for a while. A couple other guys, because I'll just you know round us out here and we can go to the 6K. But Adam Shank still looks pretty solid to me. And then Mark Hubbard, uh, 27th, 18th, 11 and 3rd in his last four outings. He's got a 32nd and 34th here. So you and I both know that's a stroke or two away from where that's a top 20. And it looks even better. So who knows? Hole in one last week. So he's probably feeling pretty good to get, get that hangover over with because he is a big drinker. We know that much. But uh, Hubbard himself there looks pretty good, like the Lashley call. And then 7K had Mullinex and Grayson Sig. Not sure if you're on either of those, but if not, give me your final thoughts on Jimmy Walker and Charlie Hoffman, two guys that are being mentioned because of Texas. And then also uh, Jimmy Walker, just for what he's been doing lately. I don't know if you've seen, but quite a bit of it with the putter. So he worries me a little bit. I get why people are betting him at 125 and 150, but give me your final thoughts on them. Then we'll get out of here on the 6K range. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I you raised the concerns that I would have as well. Like it's a little bit put, a little bit too putting dependent than I would hope for. I actually like the guys right next to him. I I, I like Ryan Palmer, right? Who's finished fifth at this course last year, had a really solid ball striking performance actually at the Wells Fargo. Do not think that he is going to garner the same ownership and respect that a Walker. Hoffman and then I'm always interested in some David Lipsky right below him as well even Austin Smotherman is an SMU Dallas guy as well that fits right. the type of profile that I would like here so I think I it's probably a pass for me on the Jimmy Walker hype is he is he one of those is he a bit is he a popular bet this morning and a lot of people are going in on that bigger number on him yeah a lot of people like the bet this week he had a great yeah. round four again but it was like three or four strokes game putting but yeah people are definitely in on Jimmy Walker from the betting perspective I get why you can pick them up with five or eight places at 150 or 125 for sure. Totally understand. I'm just saying it doesn't mean it'll translate over. That's a good way to protect yourself there. If you think he has that week, then of course you'll want him in your DraftKings lineups. But I just think, again, like you said, really like the Palmer call right there. Didn't even think of Lipsky just below, but I like the Palmer one quite a bit right above. Anything else there? If not, you can take us into the 6K range. Yeah, I mean, I would just echo Mullinex, too. Like, I really like Mullinex at a flat 7K. I know you mentioned him. Yeah. Um, he has had a ton of success on some of these easier, wide-open golf courses. We know he hits the ball a long way. Really good long-arm player as well. So, Mullinex is a guy that I love. And then getting into the 6K range... I don't have a ton of guys starred down here. I mean, and now that actually might change with the decision to play Scotty or not to play Scotty getting a little bit different now with the speed withdrawal. Um, there are a couple guys, if I get really deep and I'm actually seeing, you know, this guy, I don't think is going to be sneaking up on anybody, but what are your thoughts on a guy like Kevin Roy at 6,500 who has been getting uh, who has been hitting the ball really, really well. And it seems like of the 6K options, very early again on Monday morning, but at least he seems to be garnering a little bit more of attention than some of his peers. Yeah, he's been getting a little love lately, but this has been a season where the, I, I keep saying it, the 7Ks are the new 6Ks. It used yeah. to be that the 6K range was, guys would get to 10%. You'd be like, auto fade. For, good, for obvious reasons, it'd be 10 to one on play the guy next to him. So why wouldn't you? But now we don't really see that as much. So even if Kevin Roy gets love, it's three or 4%. Like it's not really, or maybe four to yeah. six, if you want to level him up one more level. I think he's fine though. I think like you said, there, there's been good stuff with him. He's played well here. I don't know if people will go to Vince Whaley for the same money because Vince Whaley has the history here, 25th and 26th. I'm not sure where he's been for a year and a half, but uh, you know, he was a guy people used to love. But one guy down here that stood out to me, I wanted to get your opinion on, you did mention uh, I think you mentioned Puerto Rico or Corral. I can't remember which one yeah. you mentioned earlier, but uh, he won one of them. I think it was Punta Cana, actually. Chad Ramey is at 6,800. And if you look, his round three, his round four results, his, you talked about guys that get better with their approach as the week goes on. That's what happened to him. Round three and round four, really solid on approach. He pops a little bit down here at 6,800, T35 at the Wells Fargo. Any love for him and then anybody else down here that you really want to mention or really stands out to you early on Monday? Yeah, absolutely. On Ramey, I mean, seven and a half strokes on approach, 
best iron week of his career by a pretty healthy margin. And you look at this season, right? And he's actually been stringing together some somewhat decent finishes as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, I like Ramey a lot. He's got that win, as you mentioned, at another one of those big wide open golf courses where the skill set isn't going to be that dissimilar from what you have to do this week at TPC Craig Ranch. In terms of other guys in the sixes, uh, I think you can make a case for a guy like Satoshi Kodaira at 6,400 or Carson Young if you want to get really weird down here. Carson Young's been starting to show some classes. He's a guy that you still might be able to buy early on in terms of talent. Satoshi been around the block a little bit more, but he's actually hitting the ball a lot better than I think a lot of people would think. Pretty good long iron player does pretty well on those par fives as well, but that's about it for me. I mean, it gets pretty bleak down here. Once you start getting into the mid to low sixes. It does. And we do got to get out of here shortly. So just to mention it, but that does change some things because like you said, now Scotty gets boosted to 40 plus range. And now you have this setup where we're not seeing guys down there that we can really feel as comfortable with. It does make it at least somewhat interesting. Again, I'll have to see how the numbers shake out on Wednesday, have my final takes there. But I definitely think that changes things quite a bit. I felt like it was so dialed coming in with speed getting that. I felt, I felt really good about that, but Last thing we do on here, Andy, is just go through our bets for the week. Do you have any early bets on Monday? You mentioned the Jagger one. Anything else to go with that? You had him at 60, right? Yeah, I do. I, I made my bets Monday morning, and I'm pretty glad I got them in with some of these numbers potentially yeah. moving now with the speed news. I bit the bullet on Hatton 16. That was the best available I could find on him. I wasn't really loving a ton uh, of the other options at the top of the board anyway. So I thought that there was somewhat decent value on Hatton at 16. I got Scott at 37, which I thought was a pretty good number. I still like him down to 30. I actually thought that coming off the Wells Fargo performances, he was going to be 25 to 30 in that late 20s range, which he is at some places. So it encouraged people to shop around. I still think there's some 30s and 35s on Scott available. And then just some bombs, Jaeger 60, Eric Cole 100, Lashley 150, and Ryan Palmer 150. What about you? I got to think about that. La- I got to find the last one because I want to join you on that when you talk yeah. into it. But I had Scott. I'm glad you liked him down to 30. I got him at 33. I yeah. had Jaeger at 50 with eight places. I had Spawn at 66 with eight places. My boy, Joey B. Bramlett, 70 with eight places. And then Woo, uh, Brandon, that is, at 70 with eight places. So I had five in. I'm going to add that Lashley, whatever he's at. He'll be over 100 at my book, I'm sure. So I'll get that with eight places on Lashley. But other than that, that's all I got for bets. So I, I feel good about them. We'll see how ownership translates to the DFS side. One and done. I'm probably using Adam Scott. Like I said, I don't think he's going to be popular. I, it's just a field play. I stick with that stuff. You want to use KH Lee. There was some stuff. I think it was Fantasy Golf Pod posted it out today about back-to-back winners and how they've done. It's incredible. I think only Chad Ramey, from whatever event it was, I forget if it was Punta Cana or I forget which event he won, but he had to WD after round one this year while defending. But there was no other miscuts. But what people, I think, might miss when they're looking at the graphic or if they're seeing anything like this or hearing others talk about it is a lot of these guys that are defending are Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, John Rahm. Like, yeah, these guys are likely to have another good outing the next time they play. But KH Lee has most certainly found something here. Are you in the one and done? You got a, a team in the mix or what do you what do you do with one and done this week? Yeah, I've got some runners. I mean, I, I've got to get busy on. I mean, I think what the highest that I am in one of them is 87th, and then all the others are in the thousand good. thousand range. Yeah, in in the Mayo, um, and then in the Rec one as well. So, uh, I like Hideki a lot. Would probably it would probably be Hideki or Adam Scott for me. I think we're going to be two game. options that aren't going to garner a ton of ownership. I mean, I think if. You know, I think you could make a case for Hatton, but I think a lot of people are going to see this as the perfect opportunity to use Hatton now with the Spieth withdrawal. So I think I'd probably be leaning in the Hideki or Adam Scott uh, territory for myself. I like the Hideki one too. I was going to say, you know, thinking of another guy there, that's one that people just probably won't feel comfortable with. I do think like Tom Kim will pick up some steam. I think yes. people, if they, again, I know it's not a designated, but it doesn't look to me, at least for Mayo and I analyzing it on Wednesdays, that people have really been avoiding like using a Scotty here just because it's not a designated. Now, most won't have him left, but if any do, I don't think they'll be scared to pull the trigger, especially when you alleviate the field of Jordan Spieth and the field that's behind him. I think people, some might just say a win's a win, and I'll take it if they want to go out and get him because his odds should drop some too now with Spieth jumping out. So 
that's going to do it though for this week, Andy. Let the people know. I really appreciate it. First off, thank you for coming on. Good knowledge. I thought it was some great back and forth between you and I. Leave a comment if you guys thought it was good. Anything you'd like to see in the future, definitely appreciate that. Of course, your fades in the 8K range for the contest for the $25 Millie Maker tickets. But Andy, let the people know where they can find you, what else you got going on this week. And then, of course, the big week next week. Anything you got going on there special? Yeah, of course. And appreciate you having me on again, as always. This was an absolute blast. Anytime you need me, I'm here. Obviously, wish Kenny the best and hope he is back as soon as well. Hope he's hope he hope he heals up for next week. Cause as you mentioned, I think we're both pretty excited for that one. Yeah, yeah. you can find all my stuff on my Twitter. I'm doing a bunch of articles over at rickrungood.com. Now's a great time to sign up with all the PGA stuff coming up. And then inside golf podcasts on all major platforms. About to record right now with uh with my good friend. Chris Powers over at Golf Digest. We're going to talk some Byron Nelson, probably a lot of Knicks basketball, as this is you know the biggest sports moment and uh, for us New York fans uh, that we've had probably in a decade since the Giants went to the Super Bowl in 2012. Uh, but we'll do we'll do some uh, we'll do some New York sports. We'll do some Byron Nelson. We'll talk a little bit O'Kale, and then recording with uh, Steve Bamford very early morning tomorrow because uh, he's out in England to do a super deep dive on everything you need to know about Oak Hill, which will be out later this week as well. So ton of fun stuff coming up uh, on my end. And uh, this is a blast, man. Happy to do it anytime. Yeah. Thank you so much. Powers and Bamford. That's a good combination. I know what's going on <laughs> my playlist. So that's going to be a nice back to back there. Do appreciate you coming on. Appreciate everybody for listening. Do us a favor, hit that like, get this out to as many people as possible, trying to grow over as the season goes on. The majors have been great so far, the masters and the designated events, I should say, but coming up, another major. So get this out to as many people as you possibly can. You guys know where to find me on Twitter at toe tag and Tambo. The tidbits will be up on Wednesday morning. As usual, you can get those there featuring guys like Andy, like Steve Bamford, like others and all my great friends around the industry. Appreciate everyone. So much good content out there right now, but that's going to do it for this week, guys. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ nation. I've been getting dirty money. Jordan Belfer. Second penny stock.